Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,843. Buckle up, because today we're at Skip Barber Racing School. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Tampa, Florida. A little warm there, but that's okay. We'll have some fun with a very special guest by the name of Don Kuchel. Don, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? Let's drop the clutch. Yeah, you know how to do that very well. And I'll explain (laughs) that, or he will explain that in a minute. But before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you, Don? Hmm. One thing may be that some people may not know in the racing world that I was actually a professional dancer, that I took a hiatus from racing uh, and uh, pursued dance as a career. My first wife was a dancer, and we uh, we uh, ran the program, the dance program at the State University College of Buffalo and had a dance company separate from that as well and toured around and performed. Wow. Well, yeah, that's a very interesting and very tight niche, if you will, to go <laughs> into to dancing, uh, a lot like... Uh, acting or professional athletes, which I guess dancers, you could say, are professional athletes. You've got to be trained and know how to use your body and everything. Well, I'm going to give you a proper introduction. And I I think what I'm going to launch into after that is how does this dance in some ways relate to racing? I think there might be an interesting correlation here. So allow me to give you a proper introduction. Don Acuchel is a lead driving instructor at Skip Barber Racing School, which I'm very proud to say I'm an alumni. I graduated from there with a racing license for all racing and driving programs. His time behind the wheel goes back to 1959 when he started racing Carts. And in 1988, he won the SCCA WNY Region Rookie of the Year and the Skip Barber Midwest Rookie of the Year in Formula Fords. Between 1989 and 1987, Don raced in the IMSA Firehawk Series and the various iterations that grew out of that. He was a pro driver for the Viper and SRT Thrill Rides at NASCAR races, and he's worked in numerous companies and for numerous companies as a driver and an instructor. And from 1990 to the present, he's been with Skip Barber Racing School and continues continues to do private coaching in various series, including the Ferrari Challenge. Very cool. We'll be back in just a minute, but first a word from our sponsors. So sit tight, keep the seatbelts tight. We're at Skip Barber Racing School today. We're going to have some fun. We'll be right back. One of your vehicle's interior surfaces that gets a lot of abuse is your dashboard. The sun beats down and those damaging UV rays cause massive heat cycles, resulting in color changes and sometimes cracks. My friends at Covercraft have a great solution for you and for me. Their custom-tailored dash mats protect your dash from heat buildup while providing a stylus solution. You can choose from a variety of styles and colors, including carpet, suede mat, that's the one I have for my vehicles, Carhartt limited edition velour mats, and the Ultimat for trucks and SUVs. Another great benefit of your Covercraft dash mat is that it eliminates the harsh glare the sun produces from your dash to the inside of your windshield, which can make driving a hazard. Covercraft's dash mat design center is located in Arizona, where they know about harsh sun. I've got a special deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21 at Covercraft.com, you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order. That's right, 10% off. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. 
I was tired of my rates for my collector car insurance going up every year for no explainable reason. My carrier seemed to be turning into a media company versus an insurance company, and I realized that a portion of my policy premium was paying for all those so-called free media goodies. So I did my homework, I talked to knowledgeable collectors, shopped around, and discovered American Collectors Insurance. They've been serving the collector car hobby since 1976. You last that long by properly serving your customers insurance need, not with a lot of fluff. ACI is ranked the number one online collector car insurance provider according to Google, Trustpilot, Facebook, and they offer their real person guarantee live support. No never-ending phone loops when you need help. Plus, because you don't use your classic car as a daily driver, you could save up to 40% compared to regular auto insurance. American Collectors Insurance provides agreed value policies. So if you experience a total loss to your collector vehicle or it's stolen, you'll be paid the amount listed on your declaration page, less any deductibles, of course. No ifs, ands, or buts. Give them a call today and ask for your free quote at 866-A-C-I-Y-E-A-H. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Greens, at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Don, so we're back. So let's dive a little deeper into the corner, as you love to do. And as I alluded at the beginning here, I want to first ask you before we kind of go through what you're up to these days and and perhaps a bit of history with you, are there any relationships between professional dance and driving? You know, and people ask me that, and I strongly believe that there are. I've even talked to, to Hinch about this and Castro Nevis a little bit since they did Dancing with the Stars. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But their sensibilities were about that. But anyway, um, yeah, for me, both are about high-performance motion uh, and the control or the attempt to control high-performance motion. Both are about absolute focus, this one thing to the exclusion of all else. You know, when the, when, the, when the lights go down, the curtain rises, it's this to the exclusion of all else. When the face shield goes down, it's this to the exclusion of all else. You know, uh, yeah, in dance, so I make a mistake, I ruin a pe- someone's choreography. Uh, in racing, to make a mistake, and damage can be done, as you know. Uh, so both are similar in that regard. But certainly, um, focus, one's kinesthetic sense, how one perceives motion, uh, is common to both. They are both about keeping the, the body or the vehicle centered, keeping balance. Driving a race car, as you well know, is, is much about balance, how you keep the contact patches balanced to uh, your desired effect. Uh, and of course, dancing is all about balance. It's all about having your base of, uh, your center of gravity over your base of support. And in many ways, that's uh, analogous to, uh, to driving a race car, your base of support being your four contact patches. You did that very well. I think you must. Well, that's one in a row. Yeah, I guess (laughs) the one in a row. Yeah, we're off to a great start, which is always good in racing or dancing. My daughter danced from the time she was three all the way through college. She ran the dance school at her college. And I used to ask her that because I would go to all these recitals from the very first one, which is kind of fun and quirky and you think, oh, this is cute, until Mm -hmm. she started becoming a ballet dancer and doing toe. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there sometimes and look at her and go, who is that person? (laughs) Holy cow. And I would ask her, do you get nervous? And she said, I would get a little nervous at the beginning. But once, as you say, the curtain goes up, you just go into this focus mode. 
and you ignore everything around you. And it's very much what you said. And that's what I liked about racing. It's the same with riding motorcycles. You cannot daydream when you're on the racetrack or on a motorcycle because it will end in a bad way. And I've never been a dancer. I'm not a good dancer, but I would imagine the same on the stage. Uh, If you start to daydream, you'll miss a beat. You miss a, a step or fall flat on your face. So, well, let's walk through this new path you took. And I love the way you said it when you sent me your bio. I returned to the safety of racing in the mid-80s after age and injuries. And I I just laughed at that. I thought, okay, now this guy has an interesting sense of humor, but there's some reality to that as well. So walk us through, if you would, your history with driving and your passion for driving and, and what took you into driving from dance? Because most people would think two very different things. Well, curiously enough, I actually started racing, driving race cart, uh, carts prior to dance. I came to dance fairly late. I was, a, you know, I lived in Mansfield, Ohio, just a little Midwestern town, um, but uh, about 18 minutes away from my home was the Mid-Ohio. It actually came about after I started uh, uh, racing carts. And so I raced and, and inevitably you ran out of money. Uh, and, yeah, that and happens I, in racing, doesn't it? <laughs> does it not? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so then I, um, uh, I discovered dance in college. Yeah. And uh, found I had both. Uh, I, I didn't know boys did this. My gosh! Um, when I first saw a dance concert, so I pursued. Uh, I, I pursued dance with a, as equal a passion uh, as I pursued racing. And then, as my legs began to uh, to uh, the surgeries began to multiply, I uh, got back involved in racing in the mid '80s. I started. I discovered racing. My dad and I were looking for something to do a bonding thing, if you will. You know, with something with, uh, we looked at scooters, we looked at motorcycles, all kinds of things. And then we were driving by a little shopping center called Johnny Appleseed Shopping Center, still looks not there in Mansfield. And there were these hay bales in this parking lot and go-karts were running around. This was 1958. And we stopped by and, you know, my eyes are about as big as you can imagine. And one of the guys said, do you want to drive one? I go, me? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so he let me drive it and I was done. I was done. That was, that was it. it. The needle was in the vein. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was getting the full dose. And uh, we met, I met a mentor there, a fellow by the name of Earl Stiving, extraordinary mechanic, uh, mechanic par excellence, and a great driver. And he became my dad's best friend and my mentor. He sold bug carts uh, out of Azusa, California, they were. Uh, and, of course, dark carts were in, I don't know, if you know about, what you know about vintage carting, but dark carts were built in Mansfield, Ohio, with uh, – under the auspices of Mickey Rupp. Uh, and Mickey wanted me to run one of his carts, but I was already committed to, to bugs, and that's a long story in itself. But, um, uh, but Earl became, uh, as I say, he became my engine builder, my, uh, my mentor, and, uh, and I, I, have, I have great thanks for what he, what he brought to my uh, awareness that I wasn't, uh, that wasn't familiar with in the past. Yeah. Well, you segued into my next question, and that is great mentors. And when I think about driving instructors, and I've had lots of driving instructors on this show, for everybody from Ross Bentley to some of your colleagues that mm-hmm. you run with, and we've had great talks, but I never had the fortune of having a great driving instructor mentor other than the time I spent at Skip Barber at Laguna Seca. And then I did a three-day uh, open wheel school at Road America and got to go do that as well. So I think of those people as 
short-term mentors, if you will, that really helped me think about it. But I did have a guy, uh, Dick, who ran our local Sovereign Vintage Racing Group, because that's what I did. did. And uh, he was a great person to go through. Tom Armstrong, who was another friend of mine who we we lost some years ago, who drove some big-ass cars, Can-Am cars Mm. and big block Chevys and things like that. I mean, some serious stuff. Uh, Who had helped me, because I was in a little Lotus uh, and a Lola T290, and those cars, very different, but they helped guide me. So when you think about what you do now as a mentor uh, what do you enjoy so much about this of helping people be better drivers wow not to be facetious but partly my own safety because i drive out on the highway with all the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> if only you <laughs> could train everyone don <laughs> but, uh, that'd be nice put down your phones <laughs> yeah 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 at least but uh i was so fortunate because i started driving so young uh you know it became virtually an autonomic uh, activity for me, you know, that, uh, that my body knew how to do it even if my head didn't, <laughs> you know what I mean? But then I discovered Mark Donahue, and he became a hero of mine yeah. uh, and, and his, his, uh, his approach. And so I began to understand one could quantify this. Uh, one could actually come up with methodologies to, uh, to instructing racing. So getting back to your or origins of your question, what I enjoy so much is being able to see the development in people, the discoveries when that light bulb goes on, the aha moments, which can be both positive and negative. Uh, the, aha mo- <laughs> the aha moment is, you know, oh, I get it now, and the, the racing gods won't permit that. Hubris is, is unwelcome in the racing world. <laughs> it sounds like same with golf. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure I don't, I don't. That's one obsession I haven't taken up. But yeah, 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 so... so you know, the insights that I've been able to gain, not only from my own driving, but certainly from the instructors at Skip Barber, what I've learned from all the rest of those guys and what I've stolen from them, of course, uh, has been invaluable to me uh, in understanding driving even more and being able to find, again, that method of imparting that information to folks that helps them understand. Because as you know, you can you can say something to someone a hundred times and the hundred and first time they say, well, why didn't you say that before? They weren't ready to hear it. So, <laughs> they so weren't it, ready to hear it. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, uh, so it's, you know, it's a matter of, uh, of really finding when someone begins to begin to not only understand but apply. For me, it often happens the first time someone discovers trail breaking. They read about it. They really don't understand it. The, the, you know, why does this occur? But when they actually discover it, they discover how when the right foot fades off the brake into the corner, that actually helps rear steer and point the car in towards the apex. And they go, oh, my God, that's what he's talking about. And that, to me, because they often report, almost always report back. Now I see it. Now I get it. Now I just have to be able to repeat it. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You touched on something very valuable. When people hear the word Skip Barber racing school, many people think, well, I'm not a racer. I don't want to be a racer. I, I don't, Why would I go do that? And I always tell them, it's not about racing. It's about car control. And I know that after I went to my first school and I started doing some racing, not a lot, but a little bit, I was in the car with my mother-in-law and my wife and somebody ran through a red light. And I did a maneuver and barely missed them, got around them and drove on. And my mother-in-law was screaming, my wife was screaming, and I went into this automatic mode. And I remember my mother-in-law saying, how did you do that? And I said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just did it. But 
as I thought about it, I realized, okay, it was all about brake, gas, maneuver. It, those techniques, if you go to Skip Barber Racing School, can help you immeasurably on the street in all sorts of conditions. Sent both my kids to driving school before they started driving, and they've told me to this day things they learned way back when, not that they're that old, but they're older, mm-hmm. were invaluable to them. And I'm always proud to say um, many of my, particularly my daughter's friends, all crashed several times, but my daughter, knock on wood, never did. Although she has a heavy right foot, I think she's a bit of a faster driver than her brother, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's a girl <laughs> thing. I don't know. So, but I want you to talk a little bit to that about Skip Barber Racing School and what it can mean for a variety of different people. You don't have to want to be a race car driver to go and not only enjoy it, it's so much fun, but learn some really valuable skills. Mark, you've hit it on exactly. At Skip Barber, you know, there are a whole array of folks who come to the programs. There are those, yes, who typically, not, not exclusively, but typically the young person coming out of karting, making that transition into cars, and they want to be racers. That's what their goal is. You know, like we've had all the Andrettis and such comes through the school. I mean, I, I was one of the instructors who taught Marco Andretti his first car racing school when he turned 16. No way. Uh, Serious? At Savannah, yeah, Rolling Road. Wow. And, you know, it's, it's, there are those. And then there are others who, who it's a Walter Mitty thing, you know, that uh, uh, this is um, – uh, uh, they want to check, check that box, uh, having gotten in a race car. And so whether one is at either end of the spectrum, there is still much to be gained in terms of the confidence one finds – in learning to at least attempt to control a race car or a car, just a car, because all cars have you know four tires and a steering wheel and, and two or three pedals, and how one learns to balance the car to uh, to control it can be valuable from a personal point of view, but also from a safety point of view, as you just articulated on the highway. We do, of course, have the uh, the Haggerty Driving Schools, which are expressly for those who want to gain uh, highway skills. You know, it's some of the same things you do on the first day of a, of a three-day racing school in terms of an autocross and, and brake, emergency braking and emergency lane change and skid control and all that. But uh, we had so many people, parents even, write back to us later on saying that was an invaluable program for, uh, for our children because they were able to avoid an incident. As you just suggested, your daughter has avoided incidents where her, her, her friends have not been able to because they had no skills. They had no background. They had no foundation of of how a car behaves. Yeah, it's fascinating. I would encourage uh, you listeners out there, uh, check out Skip Barber Racing School. I had so much fun. Uh, The two different schools on the two different parts of the country that I did. So I had different instructors, which had different perspectives. But all those skill sets that I picked up and learned have been valuable. And the other thing that it did for me was it slowed me down on the street. Mm-hmm. I always drove a little too fast on the street and, you know, being a guy and thinking I knew how to drive. Oh, I'm OK. I can drive fast. But it caused me to slow down and realize, you know what, save that speed for the track. You can go do wonderful days with clubs at tracks. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a race car. Uh, you don't have to be racing. Just go out there and learn how your car manages in a, a faster situation and how to control it in a situation where it's relatively safe and mm-hmm. sound and uh, not too crazy. So as long as some of your other, other drivers out there aren't being too crazy as well, that's a key part right. of it. No, I concur. I concur with you. I, you know, driving on, on, the, on the street, when, when you understand how little people understand, most people understand about driving a car, you know, I'm, I'm backing off. I'm giving them room. I'm, I'm anticipating what they're doing way ahead because I know I'm going to need to, to perhaps find an escape route. Um, yes. Uh, you know, 
and, and, and so, yeah, no, I actually think I drive slower on the highway certainly than, than I did before I raced. Yeah, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times I've been with my wife driving and somebody will do something and I've, I'll slow down fairly abruptly and she'll go, what, what's going on? I said, watch what this guy's about to do. <laughs> yeah. And you can see it coming when you know the dynamics and especially people in big trucks or SUVs that are don't man you know don't control themselves as well especially when you have somebody at the wheel sawn at the wheel so yeah it's a fun thing I, i'll make sure i put links they're easy to find skipbarberracingschool.com yeah. Yeah, yeah check it out we're going to take a short break we come back i want to talk a little bit about a big challenge in your life don so mm-hmm. keep the seatbelts tight keep them cinched and we'll be right back great what began as a charitable car show has grown into the world's greatest collector car auctions raising over 133 million for charitable organizations to date. For nearly 50 years, automotive enthusiasts from all over the world have enjoyed the Barrett-Jackson Collector Car Auctions, and I'm a huge fan. Regarded as the barometer of the collector car industry, their auctions are world-class lifestyle events, where thousands of the world's most sought-after unique and valuable automobiles cross the block in front of a global audience, in person, on TV, or streamed online. Barrett-Jackson produces the world's greatest collector car auctions in Scottsdale, Arizona, Palm Beach, Florida, Las Vegas, Nevada, and new for 2021, Houston, Texas. The excitement of Barrett-Jackson auctions is contagious, and a unique experience is not to be missed. And be sure to visit BarrettJackson.com today. Barrett-Jackson, the world's greatest collector car auctions. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARSYEAH when you subscribe, and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. So, Don, let's talk about this big challenge, big obstacle, maybe even big failure. Who knows? It's more, though, about the lesson that it taught you that you could carry forward in a positive way than maybe the painful memories. But take us on a little bit of a uh, bumpy ride, if you will. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, which one? Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, uh, you're, you're yeah. like me, a rather mature man. So you've, you've been around. You've experienced life, right? Yeah, I've got an aggregate of experiences. Yes, <laughs> yes, some of them good, um, but um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I think of one incident at Road America actually, and uh, I was following uh, son of a famous race driver, uh, his last name is Greg, but uh, um, and uh, I had a run on him uh, in Formula Ford coming out of the kink, mm-hmm. uh, and I pulled out to pass, and later on he said he saw me coming, and he moved over to block. Well, that, that was fine, but I was already there. And, you know, at about 115, he turned me around. And, you know, I go through the, the details. I was uninjured happily, except 
for bruising in my wallet. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but uh, destroyed the car. You know, destroyed the car. Uh. Hit, back, hit the guardrail backwards at about 115, and, and everything was coming Ouch. off. And, then, and I was belly, you know, sliding my belly pan towards the new concrete wall they put on the inside, driver's right. Uh, I was still pushing on the brake, mind you. No tires were attached. Uh, but so um, all the tires were off the vehicle. Yeah, it, it was a. It was a. Um, you were a bullet uh, at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, there was just uh, shrapnel everywhere on the on the track. Wow! And oh, yikes! Uh, it was a, it was a big hit to be sure. And so, you know, I one of the important things I learned there was every pass you can make is not necessarily one you should try to make. <laughs> yes. That one needs to be more strategic about such things. And uh, I was young enough to be. Um, of course, as you alluded to earlier, I was young enough to be uh, invulnerable and uh, think I could do anything with a car and uh, put it anywhere and be able to get out of a situation. Well, that's not necessarily true. And so, you know, it was, it was a big shock to my, to my sense of, you know, I can do anything with this car. And that was a good thing. That was a good thing. You know, as I, as I alluded to earlier, you know, that aha moment. Oh, I get it now. Now I, now I know how to drive this thing. Uh, almost always leads to a uh, to a problem, to a crash. I had another one like that at Watkins Glen, but that's another story. And 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 so that you know, I learned to be more less impulsive, uh, to play the chess game uh, at speed, um, and not speed chess, but just play play the chess game at speed. Know what the goal is, uh, and the goal is to be ahead by three inches at the finish line. I don't have to lead any other lap at any other time other than then. And so everything, what that, what I gained from that certainly uh, was in reflection, was uh, to be more circumspect, to not try to win the race at every corner on every opportunity, but rather have the end game in sight. What's that saying? In order to win a race, you must first finish. <laughs> in order to finish first, you must first finish. Yeah, there you go. You said it much better than I. I paraphrased a bit, but I understand. Wow. And a Formula Four is not something that you want to crash in. I always had that thought in the back of my mind driving that uh, that old Lotus. Lotus? Yeah. yeah, I just never felt safe in that car. That's why I finally ended up selling it. Uh, the same gentleman I talked to raced a Jolus and uh, was severely injured down in uh, New Zealand racing that car um, mm -hmm. because there's just not much safety in those things. Right. Nothing right. around you. Colin Chapman liked light cars. Yes, he did. Yeah, he didn't care. I shouldn't say he didn't care about his drivers, but they were second to uh, the car going fast, that's for sure. Well, I appreciate you sharing that valuable lesson. You know, it's the same thing on the roadways, public roadways. Sometimes it's not worth passing that guy. Just let him go. Let him go. Um, as I used to say to my kids, other people may have a lot more to lose than you when it comes to road rage and insanity out there on the roadway. So just let them go. Just let them go. They'll take care of themselves. When you think about your life right now, you've done so many cool things. You've lived such a, a rounded, wonderful life, and you've got to play with cars. Is there still something on your bucket list? Maybe a car you want to drive someday or somewhere, <laughs> track you've never been on? Uh, of course, with this caveat. Unfortunately, you know, as I said, dance uh, was more dangerous than racing in many respects. You know, uh, now I'm, uh, I've, I'm up to 26 surgeries. Uh, I have my 27th next week. Um, what? Uh, yeah. I've, oh, uh, my I've, gosh. So, yeah. So I've got, uh, you know, anyway. Um, <laughs> so Replacement right now, parts are flying off every yeah, You've got to put in new parts. Exactly, wow. Exactly. Yeah. So my back is the, is the main issue. Those thousands of jumps and leaps I did, the hundreds of women I lifted, um, and then some crashes catalyzed 
what had already been weak uh, weak elements in, in my body or, or previously damaged. Uh-huh. Uh, and so, um, you know, driving a race car is pretty difficult for me right now. I really, I can do it. I literally can do it, but not for long. And I pay for it severely uh, afterwards. Now, we're, we're hoping this next surgery will give me some respite from that. Uh, but yes, I would love to um, to drive the ring as an example, and, and I never, I never, obviously, never have. I'd love to. The, you know, there are European circuits and British circuits that I've not been on. I've been on most of them in the U.S. certainly, but uh, in Canada, uh, that I would that I would love to go to. That would be a bucket list. I uh, was in Barcelona. You know, a few years ago, uh, adjudicating um, for Mazda and SCCA uh, some Euro drivers to bring over to the uh, Mazda MX-5 shootout in Laguna. Uh-huh. So that was a great, a great treat uh, to be at Barcelona, um, certainly. And there, but there are many tracks in Europe that I never, I, I have not had opportunity to drive. So yes, there are. I would like to do that. I would like to drive some of the Euro tracks. You know, I find that I got in uh, one of our Skid Barber F4 cars uh, at, at Coda, uh, a track I know well. Um, and, uh, such an amazing vehicle, such an amazing vehicle. Uh, so I, I, I got to drive a contemporary formula car, you know, it's an F4, it's part of the international homologation. It was a huge treat for me to find that kind of aero performance, uh, th- that is in that vehicle. Wow. I mean, at, at full speed going down the back straightaway, I couldn't push hard enough on the brake pedal to achieve lockup. Um, you know, literally really? could not, wow. I could not. Because had so much arrow dialed in, um, wow. and so you know, but the car would slow down at, at a prodigious rate. Uh, it was it was just you know, it's like you see F1 cars, you know, braking ridiculously late, like at turn one at Coda, at maybe the the fifty or seventy five mark, uh, you, you know, going brake brake mark uh, going into turn one. And I go, wow, that's amazing. Well, I understand now because they're they're obviously much more sophisticated, but in that vein, in that vein. So I would like to be able to do that. Uh, again, but I won't won't be able to do that for a while, at least until I address some of the physical challenges. Let's talk about a special car in your life, a car that really stands out. And this could be a street car, could be a race car you've driven, but talk about that vehicle and maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. Sure. We've already spoken of a common friend, Jim Cantrell. Yes. Um, and he's been on, been on your program uh, as well. And, uh, and, and Jim is, as you know, quite a Quite an interesting person. Oh yes, say, very say unique guy. Yeah, very unique guy. Um, you know, a co-founder of SpaceX has his own uh, rocket company called Phantom Space. But in his heart of hearts, he's a bust his knuckles, grease under his fingernails, design, build, and drive race cars. That's that's who he is. And so he has a number of cars, and he he purchased um, the uh, uh, 1969 Lola T163 Can Am car that Penske owned and, and Mark Donahue drove one time at Mid-Ohio. Uh, and when he, when he um, rebuilt that, uh, he had me come out and drive it. And that was just astounding. Wow, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, when, well, when, those things are beasts. <laughs> oh, when Mark said, he was once asked, how much horsepower is enough? He says, when I can light the tires up, leaving a corner, and I can leave the black marks continuing until they go to the brake pedal for the next corner, that's enough. Oh, my God. And that's that car. <laughs> Not oh. a horsepower, fifteen hundred pounds. 
yeah, it was an amazing, amazing experience to drive that. Was yeah, you sent me a picture of that vehicle. I did indeed. Yeah, I'll I make did. sure I put that on uh, Don's show notes page for you listeners. You can go check it out or you can look it up. Just Google it and you'll find that vehicle all over the place. It's absolutely stunning. Now, I'm going to crawl in your head a little bit here. Be a psychiatrist, if you will, Don. Uh-oh. All right. If you, Yeah, here we go. You're if very you, brave. Yeah, <laughs> uh, every day. If... Uh, if you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but your personality in some kind of vehicle, what would you be? But the more important part of this question is why? I, I struggled with that, actually. Good, of, good. Of, I love it. Of what, what car? I, you know, I've, I must admit, it, it's almost the cliche, but, um, but I, I, and, and maybe it's, it is a bit of hubris. But I think of a like a Ferrari five eight eight. Okay, you know uh, that's um, and, and and that may a bit of be a bit of inflation for me <laughs> to think of myself. <laughs> uh, but but that's you know that's kind of how that may be as much aspirational as uh, uh, as factual. Um, but um, but I, yeah, and, and because it is an extraordinarily elegant design, a. I think it's just a gorgeous vehicle. Um, uh, B, it's performance for a street race car. It's all-around performance to me is um, uh, just astounding. Um, it is a truly a, um, uh, a thoroughbred, uh, a, a high-performance vehicle that is yet accessible, um, uh, not in terms of finance but in, but accessible in terms of driving <laughs> yeah they're about a quarter mil i think something like yeah, that yeah about that right yeah so that's that's well out of my uh, my uh, my budget but but yes that's the gist of it is it because the car is equally capable on the street and the track yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there you it's, go that yeah thank you for articulating <laughs> where i did not that it, it is indeed that's what i mean accessible that it is it's it's very drivable on the street but you put it in a track and it's another beast It is 3.9 liter V8 with about 675 horsepower. Yeah, uh, that thing uh, can go. That's for sure. So I like it. Very nice answer to that question. Are there some ways, and and this is pretty obvious in my mind, that you like to give back to others in the automotive sector? Being a mentor, being a driving instructor, huge. There's some ways I would like to give back. Yeah, to others. Sure, sure. And and, and yeah, I, 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 I... Obviously, still love, I love teaching. I still love teaching. I've been doing, I've literally been teaching since 1978, but I've been teaching racing since 1990. Long time. Yeah, a long time. Uh, and, and still have the passion for it. Uh, still love to be able to communicate uh, those skills and, uh, uh, and techniques. Um, and, and, and the mindset as well. Because, as you know, as with any sport, uh, once you've gotten past the fundamentals, it's all a mind game. It's in your head. And, uh, what, you know, what differentiates, you know, a good driver from a great one, I think is as much in, in one's mind, how one can embrace the various, uh, forces that are being placed on the car and how you're endeavoring to control those is in your head. Now, obviously, as I've discovered, there are physical limitations, uh, that that can intervene. Um, uh, so I like to be able not only not only just the technique, how one quantifies driving a car or a race car, but what is the mindset? What is the mindset that that one that allows one to be a safe driver 
or a, a successful driver on the track. And and we've looked at that briefly earlier, but you know, it, it is, you know, choosing your battles. Know what your goals are. You know, on the street, you're driving 10 miles an hour faster. Well, you know, okay, you get, you get in an hour, you get somewhere, what, uh, uh, 10 minutes earlier. Let's say, okay, <laughs> what, what, you know, was it worth the chances you took in order to do that? Right. Um, on, on the track, you know, it, it's, as I suggested earlier, think, you know, think of it as a chess game. That, you know, what is my end goal? Because after all, if you don't know what your goal is, how do you know how to achieve it? Uh, so the end, the end goal is to lead across the finish line. Uh, and everything else is a build-up to that. One of the things I admire so much about Scott Dixon is how he plays the, the race, if you will. How he strategizes uh, the race to that one effect. Yeah, it is a big chess game many, many times. And then uh, one yellow flag changes that whole game. Yeah, it, uh, he found out to his dismay because the whole, you know, ran out of fuel, couldn't get in the pits. Uh, at India, I mean. It. Yeah, yeah, uh, incredible. Yeah, that's what makes it so dynamic. Is there a book that you've read that you'd like to share that you found really valuable or fun? Yeah, there are actually a number, of course. If you want to learn, want to look look into an in-depth discussion of what it takes to drive a race car, it would be Going Faster by Carl Lopez. Yeah. Uh, you may be familiar with it. Yep. You know, it is a compendium of many years of Carl. Uh, Carl was a, one of the original instructors with Skip Barber. Um, and we spent whole seasons talking about one thing, you know, breaking, you know, as an example. Uh, and so, but the book is an extraordinary articulation of driving a race car. From a more anecdotal point of view, I, meant, I mentioned Mark Donahue, of course, and, and I love his um, The Unfair Advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, it, you know, it is anecdotal. It's by no means a, uh, a textbook, but it is anecdotal. But you can glean a lot about his approach and how he discovered that. Uh, I discovered his, his, his approach to racing. Uh, one of the books that influenced me a great deal was Sterling Moss's you know, All But My Life, you know, when he, he describes how he came back from his big crash at Goodwood um, that effectively ended his career. Uh, and how he did that, and and, and et cetera, and it, he was he was a big inspiration to me as well as I was growing up. So, so there there is. I'll leave you with one last one, and, and a little bit a little bit different perspective. A fellow by the name of Dunlop, uh, no relation, wrote a book called um, uh, "Damn Few Died in Bed." He was a car builder and and uh, crew chief, and and it's from the era of about uh, nineteen mid nineteen thirties to the mid seventies. Uh, and so it was that transition eventually from, from the roadsters to the rear engine cars. And, and uh, anyway, um, but, but extraordinary accounting of, of just what it took to be a race driver at that time and how many we lost yeah, you know, on a weekly basis, on a weekly basis. Great books. I'll make sure I put those on Don's show notes page so you can click and purchase those and add those to your automotive library. Remember, there's a great place on the Cars Yeah website called Guest Recommended Books where there's over 2,000 books listed there by my inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and I made it really easy for you to buy those. So check it out on the Cars Yeah website. We'll be back. We'll take one more short break. We come back. We're going on the ultimate drive or ride. We'll see what it is or race. We'll see what it is for Don. Sit tight. We'll be right back. Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah! supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. 
Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. Yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology. It's in high demand. You get paid really well. And you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles. And you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. All right, Don, we're going on the ultimate drive. That means you get to pick the vehicle, you get to pick somebody you're with, and you get to pick where you're going and what you're going to be talking about. So what does the ultimate drive or ride look like for you? Wow. <laughs> for me, the the one thing uh, about a high-performance two-seater sports car that I would change is that it has one too many seats. Um, <laughs> but but uh, apart, apart from that, I would love to be a rider uh, sitting next to, and this may seem almost a cliche, but I'll tell you why in a moment, to Ayrton Senna. Mm. And uh, it almost doesn't matter. Uh, uh, it needs to be a high-performance car. Uh, mid-engine probably be best suited to this. For one specific reason, I've only encountered a couple other drivers. I would like to understand more about his throttle trace. Uh, you know, it, it, it's, I'm sure it's absolutely unteachable. But uh, at least in sedans, uh, I've seen in the middle of a corner, he's, he's, he's on and off the throttle, like, like driving a go-kart. You know, because the throttle's almost an on-off switch in a cart. But he's on and off the throttle in the middle of the corner. You just... No way you can teach that. I know what he. I think I understand what he's doing, but I would love to to ride with him and, and, and experience that. I, I, I've known one other driver with Skip Barber, uh, uh, Jason Hohaus, who, who has used that technique some, and I've talked to him about it. But I would love to be with Ayrton. I would also love to to ride with Mark Donahue, and I'd love it to be in a, a Camaro, not unlike the uh, uh, the Camaros he he, he raced uh, with Roger, and I'd I'd like to. Learn how I would like to learn more about his process of discovering trail braking, what he called the American style of driving, as contrasted to the European style of driving. I would like to under I would like to get it from his mouth. I've read about it, but his book is, is not, as I say, a, a textbook. It really is anecdotal. So I would like to I'd like to feel and understand how he came to that discovery. Intellectually, I understand, but I'd like to be in the seat, experience it. Ultimate rides and drives, indeed. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like the way you added the why in there. That's very important. Why do you want to be with that person? Fantastic. Well, you've taken us on a fantastic ride today, Don. It has been really good to get to know you better. And I want to do a shout out to Dan Demonte, uh, part of the group that is leading the Skate Barber Racing School now. I mean, they've really transformed this school into something quite even more spectacular than it was before. So, uh, Dan, thank you for introducing me to Don and the other people we've had on the show here that are from the racing school. Before I let you go, could you offer me one little parting piece of wisdom, maybe a success quote or a mantra that you might share with us today? Absolutely. There's a life lesson here somewhere, right? Whether I've learned it or not is another question. But <laughs> always look where you want to go, even if you're not going there. You know, be optimistic. You know, um, uh, if you find yourself sl sliding towards a guardrail and you want to hit it, just keep staring at it. Yes. <laughs> uh, rather, look where you want to go at all times. I've never, ever been with someone riding right seat who does that initially. It is a learned skill. It's not an in instinctual skill, but it's a learned skill. So look where you want to go, even if it's not where you're going. 
Ah, it's brilliant. And it works too. So practice that uh, at low speeds in a safe situation for sure. But uh, that's (laughs) the way to do it. What's the best way for people to learn more about Skip Barber Racing School? Skipbarber.com. Please go to our webpage and there's all kinds of information. There's a phone number there. You could call one of our customer service people. As we say, we have uh, people standing by uh, waiting to to talk to you about uh, uh, driving schools or racing schools. And, uh, and I would like to give a shout out certainly to the DeMontes, Anthony, Dan, etc., for the, the resurgence that we found in Skip Barber and what they are doing to build this, uh, to build this company. It's, uh, it's great to see it returning to, to former days of glory, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I can't emphasize enough for you listeners, again, you don't have to want to be a race car driver to go and have fun, number one, but learn some invaluable lessons here. I would really encourage you to add this to your personal bucket list. Uh, you know, if anything, we've learned after the last 15 months of what's gone on in the world. Uh, life is fleeting. Uh, so get out there and live it and enjoy it and do those things that you always said I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Uh, take those out of your vernacular and go do a, as I say. So, Don, thanks for being so generous today with your time, your experience, your expertise, and your knowledge. Until you and I talk again, I hope to see you on the track somewhere. I'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!